does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Set for Matt Ryan. Throws up field quickly. Picked off by Tennessee. They're going the other way, and they're going to score a touchdown. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Andrew Adams, the defensive back, knifed in there. And picked off a Matt Ryan pass and takes it all the way to the house. Let's get ready for a big third down test. So two out of four today. This man time to Ryan man. goes out of the gun. Three receivers into the game. Good protection. Floats to his right. And it's intercepted again. Indianapolis today just four for 12 on third down. Matt Ryan out of the gun. Four receivers into the pattern. Looks to his right. And crossing pattern caught on a slant. Michael Pittman Jr. caught it. Then he coughed it up on a fumble. And I believe they're going to rule incomplete pass. The Indianapolis Receiver completed the process of the catch before the ball was punched out by the Tennessee defender. It was a fumble, head fumble recovered by Tennessee. There's always, you know, three or four plays in a game that are going to change the outcomes of, of the games, and you got to be on the right side of them. We got outplayed and we got outcoached. paper scissor to see who would take it out of the break so to speak to start this morning and boom first two i just went i mean it took 30 seconds and kevin knocked you on both of them you went paper i went scissors you went paper i went or you went rock i went paper and so here i am taking it out and i thought to myself uh i was the tennessee titans right there yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, I was Matt Hawk and Matt Ryan. Both of them. Can Benedict Mathern play quarterback? That's an excellent question. Can he punt? Boy, he can do about everything else. Um, I think it comes down to this. Beautiful Monday morning, by the way. It is fabulous out, and good morning to you. No need for a jacket. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query here. Mark Dykton is back from vacation. Hello, boys. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5-1075, The Fan. Kevin, you have watched, like right now I'm doing my Twitter poll on favorite helmets in the NFL. And in a couple of them, I accidentally set it for 25 hours or whatever. And after like five hours, you can tell, you know, one team is 68%. So, you know, when you watch election nights and they say, we have enough now that we can call this. All precincts are not in, but we can we can now officially declare that so-and-so has won such-and-such. The Colts may still win their division. It's going to be a huge hurdle to overcome at this point because of all the tiebreakers. But at this point, I have now seen enough to say this is who they are. They're not great. They're okay. They're not terrible. They're okay. At times, they look really good. They're not because they don't do it consistently enough. You're going to have to show me a lot of those times. I haven't seen too much of that. At times, they look really bad. They have that capability, but it's not all the time. But the areas where the Colts promised us they were going to be better, they're the same. The area where the Colts kind of didn't talk a lot about, they might have improved. And the identity that the Colts have claimed for three or four years now that they're going to be, they are not. They are rather an imposter of that exact identity, which is four hours south of here on I-65. And yesterday, once again, Tennessee showed them in this division, they're their dad. That's pretty much what it boils down to for me. Yeah, you know, I think when you get to this point of an NFL season, Jake, midway point of the year coming up in a week or so, you're thinking to yourself, okay, what's the trend? You know, we've seen almost half an NFL season right now for the Colts. So what is the trend? The question coming out of last week was, could that be repeatable? Could you take that act on the road? Could you do it against the team, to your point, Jake, that's been the big brother to you in the division, or been your dad, frankly, in the division over the past few years? 
And yesterday was a reminder that the trend of this football team here in 2022 is an extremely boring offensive product who can't score, a turnover machine at quarterback, a defense that has so many stretches of really sound football but is missing the critical turnover at that just peak moment of the game that they used to get. And you're going to enter Halloween for the umpteenth year in a row. And I feel like it's become an annual tradition where I get to Halloween, Jake, and I'm like, okay, so how many games do the Titans need to lose for yeah. the Colts to get back into it? And, and uh, Can someone look up the Texans schedule and see you know, which games the Colts need to go their way? Like It is the Halloween tradition in the AFC South that this football team now is looking like for an eighth straight year, they will not win the lowliest division in the AFC. To be fair, and it's sad that you got to rely on this, but to be fair, doesn't it seem like in the years past, Tennessee has, in fact, started to backpedal a little bit and then open the door up for the Colts late in the year? Well, not last year. I mean, they were the number one overall seed well, yeah. last year. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we don't even want to go here at 7.05, but if you do look at Tennessee's schedule, I think there are some roadblocks, and I don't think Tennessee is a great football team, which I just think adds to the frustration. They are game. against the Colts, though, you know what I mean? Like, yesterday, they don't score an offensive touchdown, and they beat you by two scores. I think that is what just makes this so maddening for the Colts. It's that you look within this division, and in your last six AFC South games, you've won one of them. You've been down at least two scores in every single one of those contests. This is division that the Colts have absolutely owned. And this is not just Peyton era. The Chuck Pagano, Ryan Grixon, Andrew Luck, 16 straight divisional wins at one point. Now, Jacksonville and Tennessee, Jacksonville with the home games, Tennessee... Every single time that you show up on the schedule, they look at this as a game that they should. There's, there's no fear whatsoever with the Colts. They are just another team in a bad division. Kevin, you spent some time inside the Colts complex on 56th Street, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For those that are unfamiliar, unfamiliar, excuse me, you interned for the Colts, like in media relations. Is that the the Division you were in? Yeah, where I started, then over to digital media. Okay. And you, so you were like a writer and covering the team for what? You were there for two seasons, multiple seasons? Oh, no, long on that. 2011 to 2017. Okay. that Sorry. I was thinking of the. You were thinking I was born in 1983. The, the I, yeah, I get, trust me, when you get old. <clears throat> but it gives you a pretty good indication of. How things operate. So allow me to ask you this. The Twitter account for the Indianapolis Colts, is that pre, do they do they time out tweets ahead of time? Like, hey, tweet this at this time, this at this time, that kind of thing? Or is it all spur of the moment? I would say a mix. Because midway through the fourth quarter, I thought it was interesting that the Indianapolis Colts official Twitter account sent out a tweet of Jonathan Taylor and it just said, like, run the damn ball. Okay, that's cool. He's averaging almost six yards a carry. I get it. Uh, they ran the ball 27% of the time yesterday to that point. Now, I'm not sitting here saying they need to run the ball because it's a passing league. Don't get me wrong. But no, they can't throw it. They can't throw it. You got a quarterback that Matt Ryan, we thought, and this is what. Th- I was afraid of. What I was afraid of was after a game where they they gave him time and they went no huddle and you thought that's the Matt Ryan they went out and got. And that Matt Ryan that they went out and got probably still exists. But the problem is we've seen with older players is you just kind of never know. You know, Reggie Miller, late in his career, that final year that when he was with the Pacers, every once in a while he'd come out and have a 26-point vintage Reggie Miller night. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's still got it. Buy tickets for the game on Tuesday. You go down there, he goes 4-9 from the floor and finishes with 11 points. You're like, what happened? He just had 29 two nights ago. Well, he's almost 40. That's what happens. I wake up some days, feel great. Other days I wake up and like my back is stiff as a board. You just never know. You really never know. It's totally inconsistent. And that's where they are, I think, now at the quarterback position. Some days it's going to look great. Some days, eh, a little stiff. That's what you're relying upon. And when it works, it's okay. 
but more often, but you have to expect the unexpected. You know, when you have a quarterback that is going to wants to dink and dunk, and clearly that is the most logical thing right now with Matt Ryan. Unless he's throwing a jump ball to Alec Pierce, nothing is happening vertical down the field. Yesterday, one completion over 14 yards. That's really hard to do. And by the way, Tennessee entered yesterday the worst passing defense in the NFL. The worst passing defense in the NFL. You have one passing play over 14 yards. I thought you were cracking a beer over there. I am. Yeah, you what do you want? I got a PBR right here. Do you, like, you like some PBR? Starting his vacation early That's there. Right. Um You have a quarterback right now in a passing offense that is dink and dunk, check down central. If you're going to do that, you cannot have the fatal turnovers. And yet, you continue to see. We, we thought, okay, maybe that was just Denver. Maybe that was just Thursday night football. Maybe, you know, Jacksonville, the up tempo. Okay, maybe those turnovers are going to be, you know, quieted down. Yesterday, you saw two of them that I thought looked like what you would expect from a rookie quarterback. If Malik Willis would have gotten the game and not fumbled the, you know, exchange from Ryan Tannehill, that's what I would have expected from a rookie QB. Not a 15 year vet, a 37 year old quarterback. And that right now is the biggest, I think, overarching issue to this football team is you have a passing offense that can't do anything down the field outside of a jump ball to Alec Pierce, which I don't even think we saw attempted yesterday. So you're going to dink and dunk, and then you're going to throw that in with just massive turnovers. Both those drives on those turnovers, Jake, in field goal range on both of them. So at the very least, you're thinking, I mean, with how Chase McLaughlin's kicking the ball, six points for you. And instead, you get zero, and Tennessee gets 10. And in a game when the Titans don't score a single offensive touchdown, that was absolutely crippling. And yet, I listen to Matt Ryan after the game, and all I hear is, you know, we have turnover problems. No, 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 you have a turnover problem. He leads the NFL right now in interceptions and fumbles. And I, just the self-accountability, and I have some big frustrations with Frank Reich yesterday, but the self-accountability you would expect from Matt Ryan right now, I didn't hear a postgame at all. I heard something yesterday. I heard something yesterday where when I heard it, I actually thought it was an error. And I had to remind myself that it's 2022 and on television now you can rewind things. Oh, are you talking about the halftime? So I rewound it. And I'm like, did I hear that correctly? And I rewound it. And I heard it. And I thought, that was really weird what I just heard. I thought I was hearing things. That was really weird what I just heard, but I guess I did hear it correctly. I don't and then I thought to myself, I just heard. that's right. I don't believe what I just And then I thought to myself, that was so bizarre what I just heard that it requires a longer elaboration than the time that I have right now. So in about 20 minutes we'll go over exactly what it was. I I had a because I was scratching on- my head. Was this a little tease of the halftime message? Or was this something else? It was totally bizarre. I will simply say that. Um, Frank around, Reich's, Go ahead. I was just going to chime in with one thing. Frank Reich's explanation on that first interception, I think kind of sums up one of my biggest issues with him and the roles that he has as Colts head coach and play caller. He basically took full blame for the interception, the first one. We're talking the pick six. In that, he was complaining about the face mask penalty, which certainly should have been called on Jeffrey Simmons from the play before that was not called and that he got the play into Matt Ryan too late. Doesn't that right there sum up everything about a coach that is in over his head when it comes to being the play caller and also being the CEO on the sideline to be the one that when you do need to complain or you do need to get the refs attention you're the one that has to do it like i watched the titans and mike vrabel handle the challenge very efficiently yesterday and win that challenge the colts they do not um that to me kind of sums up the reich era for me in that overwhelmed in that this is a coach that is supposed to be extremely cool calm and collected on the sideline not supposed to let his emotions get the best of him. and in that moment he's complaining to the officials 
And so he's too caught up in that that he forgets to get the play call into Matt Ryan in time, and he felt like he put Ryan in an awful situation. Now, two things. One, again, that's a horrible look on Reich. Two, I would expect Matt Ryan as a 15-year veteran and a 37-year-old quarterback to be able to handle a play call that might not be the perfect one, or at the very least, to realize on second and 13, Tennessee is going to be thinking, here comes a check down to get the Colts back into third and manageable. That little Paris Campbell route might not be there. Instead, fatal turnover. And once again, you're down two scores to an AFC South team. You know, the um, two things here. Number one, if there's something to be positive about or, or give a tip of the cap, We've had more than our fair share of fun with Chris Ballard regarding his whiteouts comments. And Paris Campbell has... has, I think we now know that Paris Campbell isn't what we thought he was going to be. You know, Paris Campbell is not the dynamic, field-stretching, deep-ball threat receiver. But I think he's turned into... Wes Walker, baby. Yeah, he's become a nice weapon within their offense. And Alec Pierce continues to show that he is going to be a really good player. Michael Pittman. So in terms of those three, you've got three pretty solid weapons there. Kudos there. But at the quarterback position, Kevin, in the city of Indianapolis, there is something that no sports franchise wants to be. And there's something that no sports fan wants to hear. And that is, what's going to happen this year with Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis? Can they play together? Sabonis and Turner, can they play together? Well, you know, actually, they're going to hold on to, they're going to give it another year with Sabonis and Turner and see how it works out. Sabonis is really playing well, and Turner, if he can just become more of an outside shooter, is going to be a great player for the Pacers. And, and, you know, but Sabonis, they can play together. We know that now. They got to get Turner on the outside and keep him healthy. If Turner's healthy, then Turner and Sabonis is going to be a really good combo. And the Pacers, for multiple years, were trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And everybody knew there were glimpses that maybe it would work. But basically, when it did work, it was just the same quicksand every year. Six seed, one and done. And the Colts quarterbacking position has become this city's football version of Turner Sabonis. What's going to happen with Matt Ryan? Is he going to get it done? Is he going to play well and then come back next year? And Okay, great. Then they'll, they'll vie again for a win in a crappy division in order to vote, then go get their doors blown off somewhere else or backpedal their way out of the wild card late in the season because the quarterback play is so inconsistent. And with Phillip Rivers, it was, okay, this is cool, but we don't really know who the next guy is going to be, so we'll go out and we get Carson Wentz and Turner and Sabonis. Turner Sabonis. No, they, they, there's just a little tweak that needs to happen, and, and it's going to be okay, and everything else around it's going to be really good. And look at this, Duarte's a nice player, and then so too is Alec Pierce, Turner and Sabonis. That's what it feels like. The frightening thing on that, Jake? <coughs> You can't just fix it by trading Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton and take a huge step forward in a new era of your franchise. There's no quick fix to it for the Colts at quarterback. The Pacers were in a position to where, and you know, part of this is just how the NBA and the NFL are, are, are different, obviously, but the Pacers were in a position to where they had an asset in Sabonis. They traded him for an asset that matters more in Halliburton, whereas the Colts, you know, they're going to win, what, seven or eight games this year? They're going to be drafted in the middle of the pack of the first round. We'll get into it later this week. Carson Wentz, officially on injured reserve. Looking like that second-round pick from Washington will be a third-rounder. That's going to really hurt your ability to trade up in a draft. And that, I think, is what is extra frustrating when you look at where you're at right now. As a franchise, is you're stuck in purgatory, and there's no easy way out. You're going to have to get lucky. You're going to have to get very, very lucky. We'll take your calls throughout the show. 317-239-1070. Jeff Saturday joins us as he does every single day after a Colts game. Um, Jake, the Pacers, you were there Saturday night. Your impressions of Benedict Mather. Benedict Mather knows he's the guy. 
I watched him. At one point, he hit a big shot on a run. He hit a three-pointer, and he was walking off the floor, and he was scanning the crowd. And he was just, with his eyes, he was scanning the crowd. And in a good way, not bad, I was like, that dude is spilling over with confidence. He knows he's the guy. I think Tyrese Halliburton knows that Benedict Matherin is the guy. And, you know, Aaron Neesmith is a guy that showed, like, you know, he's young and can be a nice complimentary piece. They've got good young players. They're going to be frustrating because people are going to... I, I think there are people that think like, hey, see, look, it's they've arrived. No, no, no. This is, again, they're going to have a governor on them that's that's keeping how fast they can go. But Benedict Matherin knows he's the guy. Jake, I boy, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just these first three games... It, it's been pretty special to watch. Um, saw the ringer put out that stat. You see it of Matherin, 72 points through the first three games. It's the most by a rookie since 1995. Yeah. Have you seen the guys on that list? He's only the fifth NBA player to score at least 72 points in the first three games of his career. The other guys on the list, Isaiah, Dominique, MJ, and Jerry Stackhouse. That kind of feels like one of those which of these four doesn't belong. Stackhouse is a good player. Those others are elite. I feel bad to kind of label Stackhouse like that. <laughs> you know right? what I mean? Though? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yes. But I mean, those three are you know one of three of the greatest NBA players of all time. It's Jake. I just think he has. He walked into a Pacers franchise with no no preconceived notions about how the Pacers have operated, and little does he know the Pacers desperately needed someone with an edge and a swagger like he brings. To That's the exactly what he has. He, he pointed to Jeremy Sohan on Friday night and said, "You are supposedly the best defender in the draft. I'm going to attack you right away." He got into it with Jay Nivey the other night because he knows full well where Jay Nivey was drafted and where he was drafted. He just brings that on the floor. And when the fourth quarter comes around, that dude, he wants the ball, but yet he's not forcing it. Right. Which I think is such a difficult thing to achieve. Um, him and Halliburton the other night, pretty special closing that, closing that out. I was very happy that Rick Carlisle finally went to Isaiah Jackson and Goga with those five minutes. I think it helped out Jalen Hey, Goga Smith. played well. And Goga gave them some nice minutes on Saturday and selfishly, one down, 29 to go. <laughs> <laughs> this, I certainly pulled something last night when Benedict Mather and had that windmill. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know. Jake was complaining about back pain earlier. I, I've got some pain in some other areas. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Twenty-three points, fifty percent from the field, forty-six percent from three for Matherin through three games. Uh, the jumper was not there in the preseason. It has been there for him here to start the regular season. Uh, the Sixers tonight for the Pacers. They are. Th- 0-3 on the year. Will Joel Embiid go for 60-30 and 30 tonight? Boy, Joel Embiid's the one guy that's hoping Miles Turner plays <laughs> for the sake of familiarity, right? thought I saw Turner is out for tonight. It is a five-game and nine-day road trip for the Pacers. We'll get into that conversation throughout the show. Again, we'll take your calls, 317-239-1070. The Colts lose 19-10. It's really hard to not give up an offensive touchdown in a game and lose by two scores. But yet the Colts found a way. <laughs> and we have a World Series set. That will start on Friday. It'll be the Phillies and the cheating Astros with the sweep of the Yankees. I feel like the ALCS, NLCS games were all like good games, uh, yeah. but the series are over. I feel like baseball's over. I don't mean for the season. Like when the. Once it got into to at least at the minimum, the D. The, the American League Divisional Series and the National League Divisional Series. If you had to pick a combo that you would have cared about less, could you have come like the least? Could you have come up with one where you cared less than Houston and Philadelphia? Don't we always want the cheater to lose, though? Yeah, but I mean, uh, we've had plenty of cracks at seeing that, right? Jake's off to Barcelona later this week. He's packed, ready to go. He's got his MTV backpack with him. <laughs> That's right. On this Monday morning. Looks great. It's more like a purse. Survive that that would go well in Europe, I think. Yeah, you're right. You want to blend like a, in? It looks like a merce. Rock yeah. that. <laughs> so I'm watching the game yesterday. 
Regent Brian will be happy to know that I was watching the game yesterday. He apparently thinks that I give tours at Mammoth Cave on the weekends. Hey, Mammoth Cave, that's a fun place. <laughs> Sounds like a Dykedon family vacation. That, I, right. Ashley won't go in the cave. I tried to get her to go in the cave. It's right next to a Bucky's, if I'm not mistaken. I, she, she, saw that there's a, cave. she said there's a bottomless pit on the map. She's like, I'm out. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean the a bottomless, bottomless pit? pit have to have a has to have a bottom somewhere. Well, you would right? think so. Maybe it brings you to a Bucky's bathroom or something like that. <laughs> which I did like five of those I this weekend. It could certainly be a bottomless pit. Uh, so... I'm watching the game. You know, a lot of times halftime of the game arrives and you know, they I man, when I was a kid I loved so much, you know, let's get you caught up on what has been going on around the league and you're seeing the highlights. Now, of course, with the red zone, you know, you kind of know everything that's going on, but at any rate, uh they go to the sidelines to the sideline reporter yesterday who who I was relatively unfamiliar with. I thought really did a, a good job. Uh Aditi Kinkabwala is her name. And they throw down to her for her report on the coaches. And imagine that on Wordle. I, yeah, no kidding. Wordle the other day was tough. Mummy, I mean, come on. Um, like, mummy is in Halloween or yeah. mommy? Mummy. It was mummy. Yeah, like Halloween, yeah. Okay. So I had to rewind it because I thought, did I hear that correctly? And I rewound it a second time and I'm like, I, I did. And I thought it was very telling. Here we go. Meanwhile, over on the other side, Frank Reich told his team, hey, this is what we've been doing all year. He said, we get the ball, we score on this first drive, then we're only down in a one-possession game. And he said, we have Matt Ryan. Here's the problem there. The first part being, we have Matt Ryan. You know, when he says, hey, this is what we do, guys. We get down, we come back, we score, and then it's a one-possession game. Okay, right there you're trying to lift your guys up and find, give them reason for optimism, make sure they don't throw in the towel. I get Nine it. Nine straight sure. halftime deficits. Yeah. We've been here before, They've guys. scored 13 points total in we the first quarter. We have Matt Ryan. That's right there. One of the things that I always preach, I'm not saying that I live it actively, but I preach it. It was said to me by Dr. White when I was in high school. And Dr. White, I remember saying to me, Jake, you you have taken the very average route academically through high school. And you have been able to m- make good with that. But the way that you're le- leading your life academically speaking, you are kind of an exception. And you will find in life that danger rests when you live by the exception and not by the rule. It's okay to find the exception of the rule, but you've got to live by the rule and always defer to that because that's where balance in life is found when you find the law of averages that you go with the rule of it. Frank Reich right there got fooled by the rule and the exception. Frank Reich saw a game where Matt Ryan was really good in the no huddle and Matt Ryan got things going and just like we talked about last week like hey is this the guy they went out and got Frank Reich thought that was the case and guess what Frank Reich got fooled hook line and sinker and told Aditi right there we've got Matt Ryan and he was going with the exception instead of with the rule and the rule is, and by rule I mean the one that the law of averages points to more often than not, says when you have a quarterback that is this age and you can't protect him, then you are looking at a turnover machine. And that's exactly what happened. And the rule is what ended up sinking the Colts because they were living by the exception. And once again, the team that plays the way the Colts pretend to play and talk about playing punched them right in the mouth. And the Colts talk and preach and and build themselves as this hard, tough, you know, grinded out, f- Colts forged, deep team, da da da. And then they go out there down to Tennessee, and for like the fifth straight time, they get punched right in the mouth because they are living on the exceptions and not by the rule. Jake, I burst out laughing. When I heard that yesterday, it was either that or cry when you heard that coming out of halftime, the we have Matt Ryan was probably what pushed me over the edge of like, well, you wonder why your team is where they're at right now with we have Matt Ryan nine straight halftime deficits, (laughs) the league leader in interceptions, the league leader in fumbles, the league leader in sacks. What really got me. I guess going with that comment, though, 
was honestly how she summarized the interaction with Mike Vrabel and his football team at halftime and the interaction between Frank Reich and his football team at halftime. Mark, if you have it, let's play the entire clip. And I think it's extremely apparent the difference right now in what Tennessee is culture-wise and what Indianapolis is culture-wise. When you hear her describe Mike Vrabel, whose team was leading yesterday at halftime, 13 to nothing, they have beaten Indianapolis four straight times entering yesterday. And it was not him, but Frank Reich fielding questions late last week of, does this game mean more considering the recent trend against Mike Vrabel? And Reich admitted that it does mean more. Listen to the halftime report in comparing Vrabel's locker room to Reich's locker room. Mike Vrabel's team has the lead, but he was not a happy man. He told me that his team is giving Matt Ryan too much time and that they're fortunate to have gotten those big plays. Meanwhile, over on the other side, Frank Reich told his team, hey, this is what we've been doing all year. He said we get the ball, we score on this first drive, then we're only down in a one-possession game. And he said, we have Matt Ryan. That sums up everything for me. Right there. You have a coach who, again, is leading 13 to nothing, has won this head-to-head matchup four straight, the reigning AFC South champ, and he's pissed. He knows they're fortunate. They got gifts. They know that they need to dial it up more. He's instilling urgency. He's instilling we can't get complacent, an edge, whereas Frank Reich is the polar opposite of that. His team is in a halftime deficit for the ninth straight game. Everything's fine, guys. We're good. Yeah, we're going to score here on the opening drive, and yeah, we're going to get right back in it because we've got Matt Ryan, the guy that has put us in this position for the umpteenth time in a row. And lo and behold, the Colts obviously do not score to open up the second half, and they lose another critical game. That right there, that little snippet to me sums up everything about one coach that was hired by Tennessee in the 2018 cycle and has built a culture of toughness and a team that has overcome so much. I don't think we've truly realized what Tennessee has overcome. They played the most guys in the NFL last year, in, in NFL history, excuse me, which is means you basically have tons and tons of injuries, yet they're the number one overall seed. They trade away their best player this year. Their star left tackle and their star edge rusher both suffer season-ending knee injuries, and yet here they are after an 0-2 start, 4-2 and with the season sweep of the Colts. And where are the Colts? With a healthy offensive bunch yesterday, scoring 10 points against one of the worst defenses in the league. Kevin, what is Frank Reich known for? Aside from his coaching, when Frank Reich, 55 years from now, when someone mentions Frank Reich, what is the moment, if there's a chance that you're going to see a, a snippet of Frank Reich in Canton, what's he known for? Uh, the Buffalo comeback? He Oilers. quarterbacked the largest comeback in NFL history. He also quarterbacked the largest comeback in college football history at that time when he was at Maryland. The problem with that is that meant that Frank Reich became accustomed to to living by the exception and not the rule. Twice, and I'll give him credit, he caught lightning in a bottle and and managed to do the exception, which was to come from behind. Teams don't usually come from behind in games, especially on the road. And I understand that Frank Reich has to preach optimism to his team, perhaps, although sounds like Mike Vrabel wasn't doing that in the other locker room. But secondly, and you touched on it, In 2018, when Mike Vrabel was hired as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, what other jobs did he apply for? I believe he interviewed here. And did he interview in cycle one or cycle two? One. Took the Tennessee job after McDaniels. So Chris Ballard interviewed Mike Vrabel, and Chris Ballard decided that Josh McDaniel was the way to go, right? And Josh McDaniel, who had come from New England and was supposed to be an offensive guru for an organization with Jim Irsay and marketing and Colts forged and videos of hammers and anvils and tough and grindy and guys swigging coffee at 5.30 in the morning in a factory somewhere, and that represented the Colts' hard helmet, blue-collar, tough man franchise. They had a guy in Mike Vrabel that's a a tough, ass-kicking dude but they decided that a guy that wears a hooded sweatshirt and is a little bit younger and comes up with cool offensive schemes was the better way to go. And they went with Josh McDaniel. 
And then he says, you know what? Nah, I'm good. And then they're in a situation where they backpedal and their general manager basically has to go with the advice of the owner that says, uh, you probably ought to go with Frank Reich. He'd worked here before. And the guy that actually coaches the way the Colts pretend to be ends up in Tennessee and now owns them in their division. It's a sad reality. I mean, it's a sad reality of where things stand right now. Because, again, I don't look at Tennessee and think they are this just uber-talented team. Derrick Henry's a great player. Jeffrey Simmons, really good player. Danico Autry, he wishes he could play against the Colts every week. What else really scares you about Tennessee from a personnel standpoint? Again, they have massive losses from last season. Two season-ending injuries to, you know, two big-time, big-time players for him, and Taylor Lewan and Harold Landry, and yet here they are. And I think that halftime clip, I think that sums up everything. A lack of edge, a lack of accountability in the visiting locker room, in the home locker room with a 13-0 lead, with the reigning AFC South champs, with a team that's beaten you four straight times, they're on edge. They realize that that is not enough. They need more. We'll take your calls here coming up, 8 o'clock hour, 317-239-1070. Jeff Saturday going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We have Matt Ryan. He joins us after every Colts game. And I venture to guess he'll be in town this Sunday. I don't know. We'll have to chat with him about that here. Jeff Saturday joins us right now. Jeff, I would say the biggest takeaway for me yesterday is a little bit bigger picture of just kind of how humbling it is and how the Colts are viewed in the AFC South. You now have won one of your last six divisional games and in a division that you were a part of dominance, the Chuck Pagano-Ryan Grigson era was a part of dominance, you now just appear to be another team in a pretty bad division. Yeah, pretty de- deflating, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those, of all the of all the games here recently uh, that we, we've lost, this one was probably the most painful. Um, and just because we did everything kind of to ourselves to, to, to take it out of reach, right? You know when you're playing a Mike Vrabel coach football team, you can't turn the ball over. Um, not sure what happened on the first interception. Looked like it was, I know it was a hot route, but I'm not sure. Uh, Campbell, I, I, who knows, you're right? Like, like, like they'll end up talking about it, but whatever happened. And then on the second interception, I felt like, uh, wasn't sure what, what Matt was doing, you know, channeling Carson there or, you know, thought, thought he was going to keep running. But for whatever reason, you, you know that you can't, you, that, that can't happen in these type of games, right? You have to protect the football at all costs give yourself a chance to win um, in the end. And we just didn't do it. And, and it, so it was a, uh, a very deflating loss. I fully feel you, you know, when you're talking about this division, um, the Colts should be leading it or right in it. And right now you just feel like, uh, you know, like, like you're just kind of dragging around. Jeff, I'd mentioned this earlier and I want your thoughts on it. You know, you know Jim Irsay. You've been in the building and you've been in the locker room. And I think that Jim Irsay, for the most part, people probably should be grateful that he's a he is not a knee jerk owner. You know what I mean? He's not he's not right. his dad. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But is the is the loss or the division? You know, putting yourself in position where the division might be getting away a little bit from a tiebreaker standpoint. Is that compounded in terms of the pressure on the franchise? by the fact that Tennessee is beating the Colts with the style of football that is exactly what Jim Mersey has preached that he wants from his own franchise. How big of a pressure point is it when the blueprint of what you want from your franchise is actually the rival that you're chasing? Yeah, no, that's a great point, uh, Jake. And honestly, if, if you look at uh, the Jaguars as well, I mean, b- both of those teams are physical, right? They both play physically, um, you know, running the ball efficiently, kind of those kinds of things. And, and But you're exactly right. Like the way that Tennessee, I actually had that in my notes of, of uh, discussing it on TV. Like if you, if you laid out a blueprint of how you wanted to execute games, the way that Tennessee beat the Colts is how the Colts want to beat everybody. And so uh, they have to be very – listen – the defense has done their part, right? I mean, they're they're making they're making enough plays to keep you in games 
Um, turnovers have killed us. Uh, sacks or negative plays have killed us. And so to your exact point, not, you know, there used to be a saying with Tony Dungy for many years, you know, don't beat yourselves. And I'll be very frank with you. I think there's a lot of, a lot of coaches in the NFL that help beat themselves. Um, now, this wasn't a coaching error, you know, where we should have taken a field goal and didn't or blah, blah, blah. We, we turned the ball over. And, and, and you, you can't do it uh, in these type of games. I, I think we were – I think we had more penalties. We turned it over more. Like all the things, all the boxes that you check going into the week of saying this is what we can't do. Um, we, the, the Titans did it and we didn't. And, and now we've, we've dug ourselves a deeper hole uh, in this division. Again, Jeff Saturday, he's with us, recapping every Colts game this season right here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jeff, uh, seven games into it, Matt Ryan is under contract uh, past this season. Um, with what you've seen seven games in, do the Colts face a question in running it back with Matt Ryan in 2023? I don't think so, man. I mean, you know, it's not like quarterbacks hit the street and, you know, it would if, if, if they would have to, the wheels would have to completely fall off to get up there where you're going to be drafting a guy um, that you might look forward in the, in the future. I mean, like you think about this team, they're, they're still in the hunt for the division. I mean, they're three, three and one, right? So we're, uh, you know, there's nothing as as out of question yet. The problem is, you know, you can't keep changing. Like at some point there has to be some consistency at that position, um, and, and listen, when Matt plays good, he's played good. When he plays bad, he's played bad. I mean, and, and, and protecting the football has got to be a point of emphasis, and it can't just be, oh, man, it's on me, it's my fault. Like, uh, it, it, great. I mean, that, that doesn't change anything. We, we can't keep having it. And, um, again, I don't know who they were on yesterday. But when I went back uh, to those plays specifically, the first one, I'm not sure if, if what he was thinking, if, if he thought Campbell was going to pull up. And then the one across the middle, I'm not sure if he thought Pittman was going to keep running in man, why, why he stopped and, like, pivoted. I just don't know. And so when you watch it, you, you know, it's, it's like sacks. I hate to just blame the offensive line because, you know, somebody gives up a sack. It could be on a number of different things. So I don't know exactly, but I know they got to get it fixed. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. Uh, it's got to get fixed, and it's got to get fixed tomorrow. Jeff, the – this is really harsh of me to say, probably. The thing that I keep going back to in my mind, and I think Matt Ryan, listen, he's 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 obviously got an incredible resume. He has shown that when he has time, he can be still a very productive quarterback, and he's been a good member of the community so far. I mean, nothing bad to say about him at all, except for the following. And that is, if you know that you are coming towards the crossroads of having to hand the keys over to a franchise quarterback for for many years to come, unless you feel you are a Super Bowl contender, you need to go ahead and start that process as soon as you can. And I don't know with this group this year or next that Matt Ryan makes you a Super Bowl contender and necessitates you standing by that. Am I wrong? Uh, probably not enough. I uh, hadn't been able to see enough to know if that's going to be true. You know, with, with, with Pierce trying to develop and, and with Pittman, I don't know that I could say that yet. Um, but it's trending that way, right? Like to, to your point of figuring out, hey, who's going to be your next guy or, um, you know, what, what, what direction are you headed in, in the near future? Um, you know, I don't think, again, I don't think you can, you can make that. Like I knew coming in, it wasn't going to be nearly as pretty as everybody thought from a quarterback. It, it, there, there, listen, there, there are two or three quarterbacks that just elevate teams to win in the NFL, right? And, and, and we're seeing as those guys age, it gets much, much, uh, much harder. But when I, when I, so I knew there were going to be some growing pains in this. Um, I did not foresee you know, this many like, game-changing type turnovers. That, that's the part that has really got – um, you know, got me concerned. And, and, and look, man, like you said, when it goes good, it's real good. But, but the problem in the NFL is there's such a small margin for error. And when your defense has played as well as ours has to keep you in, especially division-type games, um, you've got to find ways, man. You've got to find ways. And right now we're not finding them. Again, Jeff Saturday is with us here on Kevin and Query, a Ring of Honor member for the Colts. And Jeff, am I correct in saying you'll uh, be in the building on Sunday for Targlin? 
I will be, man. I'm gonna be there for uh, for Boom, man. I'm I'm fired up for him, dude. This is a well deserved honor, and excited to uh, to see he and and his family, man, and going in and and uh, oh man, he he uh, what a stud, bro. For, for this guy, I, I I don't know if people remember or can really qualify or quantify how good he really was. Uh, this dude was an absolute monster on the on the blind side, man, and played just incredibly well for so many years, for a decade. And, and man, like I just uh, – I can't tell people how impressed I was with his style of play and his ability. You know, Peyton Manning isn't Peyton Manning without that guy doing what he's doing. And I know that sounds uh, dramatic. It is not. When, when you know you got a guy who's going to lock down the edge the way he did, whew, he was special. And, listen, that was during a special time of players, man. You think, you know, Walt Jones and – I mean, the list goes on and on from from strong left tackles, whether it was Ogden, Orlando, Pace. Like, there were some there were some freaking dudes on that on that corner, and uh, you know, Tart was right in there, man, right in that mix. And so, so proud of my boy, one of my closest friends, man. We used to carpool to work every day, so um, it puts a smile on my face. I know you can't see it, but I can't tell you how excited I am for him, bro. I can't wait to be there. I always said, Jeff, that Tart Glenn and and then Anthony Costanzo after him are two guys that. I, we wouldn't appreciate until they're gone. And now that's where we are. I wanted quickly your assessment of Dennis Kelly on the left side and then also to parlay off of that, not saying he's not a great talent, but is Quentin Nelson regressing a little bit? Um, I, so uh, Kelly, has uh, he, he played good last week. I thought he played pretty well yesterday. Uh, O-line-wise, I mean, there was a couple uh, bumps in the road, but O-line-wise, they did a pretty decent job um, – you know, given a given a pocket when it's known down and obvious, it's tough. Um, as a group, they have not played well, and that includes Nelson. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there, there are times. I think the thing when you talk about regressing, we just haven't seen him um, be human, for lack of a better term, at times. Right where he's going to get, you know, somebody's going to edge him or get this pressure on him or kind of get through. Um, and, and look, we, 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 we're facing some good groups uh, up front, and, and, and we're about to face another really good group uh, it, with the commanders where they have some really good interior rushers and, 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 and impactful interior players. And so uh, he has not been as dominant, that's for sure, as he has in the past. But, but I don't, you know, again, from when, when, everybody, when other people around you are struggling, you know, we have went through some left tackles, and I'm not trying to give an excuse. It is difficult. And so there, there are so sometimes there are excuses, sometimes there's reasons. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's a bit of both in there, I would say, in, in my response. Did I hear that correct? You would carpool with Tarek? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah, we would, we would roll. We live in the same neighborhood. Our families were very close, and so I, I picture um, the yeah, two of you would. guys like in a little Kia Soul, like those gerbils. You know what I mean? Tar Glenn's <laughs> on the sidewalk, and Jeff Saturday's <laughs> flagging them down. In the Did morning. you ever have to like pick up? I mean, did you ever have to like pick up Ryan Deem or Lilja or something? Like, you know, they're getting their car worked on. You got, and now you guys are all packed in there. You know it, man. We we listen. We'd be rolling strong. Hey, when I first got to coach, you'll love this. When I first got to Indy, I drove a Honda Civic, you know, little <laughs> little two door with a hatchback, and I used to put some dudes in there with me. Now, like we did look like clowns getting out of the car. Then. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. That's what happened before I got a little cash. You know what I mean? I rode in that Honda, that good gas now, mileage, and you know it was sweet. <laughs> when Tarek when Tarek drove. Did he ever have an occasion to like get the car going before the light actually turned green? Oh, you're so shady, bro. How shady are you <laughs> hey, taking shots? This, Jeff, hey, what I've always said. Look at that. He I, was on time. He, I said this to you before. The thing about Tarek Glenn, people want to make the joke about the false starts with Tarek Glenn and what people don't stop to think about. I've said this to you before, is how unbelievably gifted a guy at that size has to be to even be able to have the quickness of a false start. That was actually part of his attribute. Bro, he was his first step, to your point, it was insane. And his, if you go back and look, so many of those were on my head snap, what we called the head bob, and I'm telling you, dude, he timed it perfect. But, but referees, to your point, the discrepancy between from his first step to the rest of our guys, he would leave dudes in the dust, man. He he was he's a dancing bear, dude. When I tell people how athletic, uh, you know, an athletic freak he was, I, it's, it's as understated as I can say it. He was an absolute freak. 
Just picturing Tarek getting in the front seat and like having to adjust <laughs> the seat from where Mrs. Saturday oh, had it hey, on the full, previous hey, listen, trip. Full, yeah, full laid back, bro. He he get that thing. He he be he be he had these little bottle tops. He always chewed on. You know what I mean? He be chewing on bottle tops. We be talking ball. Big old smile on his face, man. Wasn't nothing better, dude. Those rides, man. That I cherish them forever, dude. We had so much fun. How long that did you great. have the Honda Civic? Oh, not long. I think I think a year. Uh, not even a year. I think. I think. Uh, I think a little over a year, and then uh, I moved on to something I could fit in a little better. <laughs> I just love the thought of like the hatchback coming up, and here comes Rick DeMoling rolling out of the back. You see the gas mileage I'm getting on this thing? <laughs> oh, that thing was money, boys. It was, hey, it was a straight right. Like it was, it was full on, dude. We that thing, I, I it struggled to get into third gear. There was no doubt. I, I, I had to clutch it. I had to feather that thing up. Too much weight in the back. <laughs> so it should be a pretty fun weekend coming up. You guys do anything Saturday night or? When do you get in town? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I'm coming in Saturday. Yeah, we're, we're going to hang out Saturday and, and, uh, and Sunday, you know, obviously a little bit later start. So, yeah, man, we're, we're excited. I can't wait to see everybody and it'll be a good group in and uh, some fun and fellowship, man. We will, there'll be a lot of laughs here, a lot of lies probably told. I'm, I'm a much better player now than I ever was <laughs> when I start telling you, don't worry, and I'll have some stories out for the boys. Hey, Jeff, in conclusion, uh, Jeff Saturday, our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline, uh, I wanted to thank you. I had mentioned on the radio here as well, though. Um, I went and spoke to North Central, to the football team, for their senior banquet last week. Uh, they've had a rough season, and on the way there, I I picked your brain real quick, and you sent me over a video, and those kids absolutely loved it. I mean, for, for kids that wouldn't get the opportunity otherwise to hear a guy that's on ESPN and played in the NFL, um, you know, it's... It shows, I think, the popularity you have in this town is warranted because of your personality, but also just your backstory. So to be able to have an impact on those kids, I saw what it meant to them, so I wanted to pass it along to you and uh, just tell you that I appreciated it. Oh, man. I'm, I'm so glad to do it, bro. Anytime. And, and to your point, I appreciate you you, uh, you encouraging them, man. Listen, we all know in, in our lives, you know, we're going to go through some tough days, and we better be there and show the show the young ones, man. That, that those those days can't break us. You know what I mean? We got to use them to make us stronger. And I was fired up to hear you were going down there, man. So anytime I can ever help, you know, you know, I love uh, love trying to encourage. It doesn't, uh, you know, we, we we're all trying to grasp at, at times, but uh, love being able to do it. So, man, I appreciate you telling me. It means it means the world. He'll be in the building on Sunday to watch one of his favorite teammates go into the Ring of Honor, where his name already is. He is Jeff Saturday. Jeff, as always, thank you. Enjoy this weekend. Safe travels here, and we'll chat with you in a week. Sounds great. See you, fellas. Great Jeff Saturday right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. On the Civic with the whole O-line in it. Targlin chewing on bottle caps. <laughs> Just we laying got, back in the back We seat. got a Honda Civic with the rear end scraping <laughs> that's uh, stuck in second gear on Capitol.